Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of I'm Reviewing Here, a podcast where I, Matthew Bussey, watch and review sight and sounds, top greatest movies of all time. I am so pumped to talk about today's movie. I should also note that I just had to redo my intro because I was trying to be funny, and I'm always trying to be funny, and I'm usually dumb most of the time, but that was just cringeworthy, bad, stupid, egregiously, awfully unfunny. Oh, shit. Sorry. Um, uh, and I still don't know how to mute this. Quit. There we go. Quit. Quit. Um, yeah, I've been texting a lot today. Today's crazy. It is a Sunday night right now. I don't usually record on Sunday nights, but today was absolutely crazy from beginning to end. I get, I had to get my hair cut. I had to go to Starbucks and plan out my trips for this summer because I don't know where to go and I have all these options, but I don't know. And I'm scared and I'm excited and I'm scared and I'm excited. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I had to clean and the Golden Globes are on in 17 minutes and I'm probably not going to make it because this movie is so freaking good. I'm so excited to talk about it. That I'm going to probably go over, but let's just get right to it, shall we? Today, we, I am talking about, um, I always say we, I am talking about one of the most famous Hollywood movies of all time, one of the most famous Hollywood noirs of all time as well. This is Double Indemnity. I killed Dietrichson. Me, Walter Neff, insurance agent, 35 years old, unmarried, no visible scars. Until a while ago, that is. Yeah, I killed him. I killed him for money and for a woman. It all began last May. I was thinking about that dame upstairs and the way she had looked at me. And I wanted to see her again, close, without that silly staircase between us. How could I have known that murder and sometimes smell like honeysuckle. I can't stand it anymore. What if they do hang me? They're not going to hang you, baby. It's better than going on this way. They're not going to hang you. Because you're going to do it and I'm going to help you. Yes, from the moment they met, it was murder. But always behind them with his devilish hunches and his brilliant brain was Keyes. The murder's never perfect. Always comes apart sooner or later. And where two people are concerned, it's usually sooner. Could they get away from him and his relentless pursuit? And could they get away with murder? You don't know keys. Once he gets his teeth into something, he never lets go. He'll investigate you. He'll have you shattered. He'll watch you every minute from now on. You afraid, baby? Yes, I'm afraid. But not of keys. I'm afraid of us. I'd like to move in on her right now, tonight. If it wasn't for Norton and his strike pants ideas about company policy, I'd have the cops after her so quick it'd make a head spin. Now, we know the Dietrichson dame is in it and uh, somebody else. Only I haven't got a single thing to go on, Keys. He'll show. He's got to show. Sometimes, somewhere, they've got to meet. Oh my god, that trailer. That does not get any more 1940s trailer than that. The music and the dialogue and the the way they say their lines and the scandal and ah! It's so good. Yeah, this movie is one of the best. I love it. So Double Indemnity... When you grow up and you love movies, this movie comes up a lot. Uh, it is a thriller. It came out in 1944. It uh, It is a thriller. It is a noir. 
It's also a romance. It's a very twisted, uh, toxic romance. Uh, if you're looking for love like me, do not get involved with either of these characters because they're they're uh, they're very bad. Uh, but um, yeah, this movie though, like even as a kid, it always showed up everywhere. It always did. The director Billy Wilder is uh, rest in peace. One of the most famous directors of all time. Uh, he did so many movies. He won Oscars for Best Director twice. He did movies like The Apartment. I think most famously, he did Some Like It Hot with Jack Lemmon, Tony Curtis, and Marilyn Monroe. I feel like people who don't even love movies, they've, they've always heard of Some Like It Hot. There's like no real way to describe Billy Wilder. I mean, he did comedies. He also did serious thrillers like this. He also did really serious dramas. He did a movie called The Lost Weekend which came out a year after this, won a bunch of Oscars. He won Best Director for that, and the movie won Best Picture, won Best Actor. I haven't seen that in a while. It's a movie about alcoholism. He, he um, I think the best way to describe Billy Wilder, well, two things. He just was a good director, uh, just plain and simple, good director, great screenwriter too. Uh, Double Indemnity is one of the best written screenplays of a movie uh, that has ever existed and will ever exist till the uh, end of time. So he was that, but I think he also is very uh, notable because he pushed boundaries a lot in his movies. Like, his movies could get tap into some really taboo subjects, some really taboo subject matter, you know? Look at Some Like It Hot. That came out in 1959. Um, That is a movie about two men who dress up as women. That's pretty gnarly, you know? I mean, that is. For back in the day, that's like a pretty big move to do for a movie you know and it's a comedy and it's so funny and you know we've seen i mean movies that are far more uh you know daring and like r-rated and some like a hot oh my god some like a hot is like pg rated compared to the movies we see nowadays but you know billy wilder was like that he really liked to push boundaries a lot in his movies and that's what makes him so memorable in my opinion i love billy wilder i actually wrote an essay about billy wilder uh, my sophomore year of college at temple university and i got a b minus and it was a really good essay granted uh though to my professor there was no thesis i just kind of wrote about why billy wilder was great but still i put a lot of effort into that i wonder if i still have that i probably do but um yes uh let's get into the plot before we get into the plot uh, i do just want to say yes double indemnity came out in 1944 directed by bailey wilder uh it is based on a book by this very famous novelist named james m kane and the uh inspiration for the book and this is kind of a big spoiler but i'm spoiler but i'm gonna get into the plot anyway it's based on a real-life murder that happened. There was a man named Albert Snyder. His wife, her name was Mae Ruth Snyder, killed him. That's all I'm going to say. And she was later executed by the electric chair in 1928. But uh, yeah, it's based on a book, and it was co-written by Wilder and this other screenwriter named Raymond Chandler. And oh boy, is there some scandal there. But before we get to that, let's talk about this movie's plot synopsis. Plot, I mean, that's what I meant to say. Plot Synopsis. This amazing plot synopsis is brought to you courtesy of Wikipedia. Okay. It's 1938. At night, insurance salesman Walter Neff, played by Fred McMurray. Fred McMurray, you may remember him. He was in The Shaggy Dog. He was in uh, The Absent-Minded Professor, which I believe was later... Oh, yeah, it was... (laughs) 
I forgot about this movie. It was later made into Flubber with Robin Williams. Remember Flubber? I used to love Flubber. I I used to rent it on VHS, and I used to like want to have Flubber when I was a kid. Yeah, and the Shaggy Dog, which also was remade uh, in the two thousands, two thousand six, with Tim Allen. Anyway, uh, Devil Indemnity is a much better movie, and Fred McMurray is much better in this than in those other movies because they're really silly. Anyway, he plays Walter Neff. It's late at night. He returns to his downtown Los Angeles office in pain from a gunshot wound. He begins dictating a confession into a dictaphone for his friend and boss. They need to make those again. Do they make those? No, they don't. Damn. Uh... Anyway, sorry, he makes a confession to his uh, claims adjuster, Barton Keyes, played by Edward G. Robinson. Edward G. Robinson is one of the most iconic actors of all time. He was very famous in the early 30s for his uh, big man, uh, uh, you know, gangster roles. And in this movie, he's a little older. He's a little, he's not really killing people in this. But anyway, then we get a flashback. He talks about what happened. So it turns out that a year before, Walter met this alluring alluring woman named Phyllis Dietrich Dietrichson, excuse me, played by Barbara Stanwyck. Barbara Stanwyck, I love Barbara Stanwyck so much. Never won an Oscar, never won Best Actress. Shame, travesty. Uh, he met he meets her during a house call to remind her husband to renew his automobile insurance policy. They flirt. She's wearing nothing but a towel. Yeah, so already uh, Walter's like, oh, oh, man, oh my god, whew, she's hot. Uh, they flirt, and Phyllis is very flirtatious, uh, very, very like Sharon Stone, basic instinct, you know, typical femme fatale noir character. Uh, they meet. She asks about taking out a policy on her husband's life without his knowledge. Walter deduces that she is contemplating murder and initially wants no part of it. He's like, girl, what are you doing? But eventually, uh, he devises a plan to murder her husband and trigger the, quote, double indemnity clause, which would double the payout. Double indemnity, also according to Wikipedia, is a clause or provision in a life insurance or accident policy whereby the company agrees to pay the stated multiple of the face amount in the contract in cases of death caused by accidental means. Okay, basically, it means, like, if you're married to someone and the other person dies, you get that person's money more. Kind of like, uh prenuptial but you know i'm not an insurance person i don't even know what insurance means i still have to ask people and google what like how to do taxes and i'm 32 phyllis drives her husband to the train station for a trip to attend a college reunion walter hiding in the back seat breaks his neck Neff then orders the train posing as Phyllis and makes his way to the back of the train, stepping onto the platform outside, a, outside to smoke a cigarette. He jumps off at a prearranged spot to meet Phyllis and drag uh, her husband's body onto the tracks. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Posing, he poses, Walter poses as Phyllis's husband, and <laughs> he does not pose as Phyllis. He poses as the husband. And blah, 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 blah. Anyway, uh, Norton, who's the company president, believes the death was suicide. But Keyes, uh, Robinson's character, scoffs at the idea. He finds it strange that Mr. Dietrichson uh, neglected to file a claim on his insurance policy after breaking his leg and reveals to Neff, uh, Walter that is, that he suspects Phyllis of murder as she hides behind the door listening. Oh, such a good scene. Uh, Keyes concludes that she had a, an accomplice help murder her husband for the insurance money, but he needs proof. Norton refuses to pay out the accidental death clause, deducing that Dietrichson was unaware of the policy. 
Now, the victim's daughter, Lola, who is the, uh, the stepdaughter to Phyllis, she tells Watcher she's convinced that her stepmother is not only behind her father's death, but also that of her mother, who died under suspicious circumstances when Phyllis was her nurse. Watcher begins seeing Lola to keep her from taking her suspicions to the police. Later, Neff fears Phyllis will murder Lola for her suspicions, and because Dietrichson, the, the husband, had changed his will in Lola's favor, leaving Phyllis with nothing. Keys bring, blah, blah, blah. Keys brings in a witness who says the man on the train was younger than the dead man. Huh. Walter warns Phyllis that pursuing the insurance claim in court risks exposing the murder. He points out that Norton and Keyes are suspicious of her. He tries to convince Phyllis to lie low while he persuades Norton to pay out the claim. Lola tells Neff she has discovered that her hot-headed boyfriend, Nino, has been visiting Phyllis behind their backs. Watcher sees this as a way to get rid of Phyllis before she can murder Lola. Watcher meets Phyllis and says he knows about her and Nino. He guesses that she was planning to manipulate Nino into murdering Lola and maybe him, but says he will kill her and put the blame on Nino. Phyllis shoots him in the shoulder. He dares her to shoot again. She does not, and he takes the gun. She says she never loved him until a minute ago, when I couldn't fire that second shot. As she hugs him... Walter says, goodbye, baby, and shoots twice, killing her. Bang, bang. Outside, Nino comes to the house. Walter advises him to call Lola from the drugstore's phone instead of going inside the house. Walter drives to his office and starts his dictaphone confession. That's a fun word to say. Returning to the start of the film, so it all comes full circle now. Keys arrives on... Sorry, I just moved my chair. It sounded like I farted, but I didn't. Uh, Keys arrives... I'm recording this in my kitchen and not in my office because uh, I'm starving and i got to eat soon. Keys arrives unnoticed, and here's the truth. Neff says he plans to flee to Mexico but collapses before he can leave the building. Keys lights Walter's cigarette as they wait for the police and an ambulance. The end. This is not the right street. Why did you turn here? What are you doing that for? What are you honking the horn for? Oh my god. So, I mean, the movie Double Indemnity, it's entertaining from start to finish. You don't have to, like, not like movies to not at least be entertained by this film. It is so stylish. It's very sexy. It's very, very dark. I mean, this is 1944 we're talking about, and the movie is set, I believe, uh, in 1938. And, you know, these are nasty-ass people. I mean, Phyllis is like a sociopath, you know? And it's rare for back in the day to really like watch a movie where not the man, but a woman could be so demented and be so merciless, merciless, you know, with, with how she sees the world, you know, for her sex is a tool and she will do what she wants. She will seduce men and do what she wants to get this money. You know, it is an incredible performance. It is one of the, most powerful performances, um, female, not even just female. It's just, it's an iconic performance. Barbara Stanwyck, that big yellow wig, which I'm going to talk about the way she delivers her lines, the way McMurray delivers his lines. It's perfect. Their chemistry is dynamite in this movie. And you know, this, you know, I love the moral of this movie too, because the moral of this movie is, if you have a penis and a hot woman is coming on to you, 
but there's something very dark and dangerous and potentially deadly about her, go away. You know, like, go away. Don't do it. You know, I mean, we've all seen Basic Instinct. I've seen it a million times. The entire movie, you're going, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't sleep with her. No. And then they do. And then it's like, okay, you're, you're done for now. Dumbo Indemnity kind of like laid the, the, um, way work for that whole, uh, you know, plot device that they do in so many noir movies. So that's just, what's fun about this movie. It's like a scandalous movie. It's very, uh, it's very pulpy, you know, it's very, um, almost like, Oh God, this movie to describe this movie, it's like, it's like, imagine it's late at night. You're in a dark alley in New York city and it's raining and there's a random guy playing the saxophone near you, near you. And then you look up and there's a hot woman wearing this rain jacket and she's smoking a cig. And for some reason, the water's not hitting the cig and she looks up and she's like, Hey baby. Yeah. Want to come murder people with me and I'll, I'll, I'll sleep with you? Yeah, like that is what this movie is. That is like how I define Double Indemnity. I got to talk about the dialogue to you. My favorite thing about Double Indemnity is the dialogue. It is, it makes me want to go and write a movie, which will never happen, but it makes me want to. Wilder and, and Raymond Chandler, you know, the dialogue in this movie is so quick. It is so funny. It is so like, who, ha, who, ha, you know, it goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it's like, it's that movie that really makes you go, where do they even begin? Like, where did this dialogue even come from? Where? It's from a book, of course, but Wilder and Chandler, they basically make have made one of the fastest talking, most cleverly written film of all time. This is a movie that, you know, the dialogue, it makes you chuckle, it makes you gasp. And in the movie itself, I mean, it's shocking. It is a shocking movie. Did Phyllis really love Walter this whole time? I don't think so. No, she's a conniving little villain, you know? Is Walter, you know, a good guy all along? Well, no. He, he led with his penis, basically, you know, and he, um, <laughs> sorry, I, I don't know why my mind goes there, but, um, it, you know, what no, but I mean, I mean it though. I mean it when I say that, like he, it's a great performance because Walter, you know, you know, he is a good guy deep down. You, you know that, but he screws up big time. And I mean, his fate is sealed from the very start of this movie, him dying from a gunshot wound. So do you like Walter? I mean, you kind of do, but it's interesting how such a flawed character can be so, you know, kind of charismatic in a way. You're rooting for Walter a little bit, but at the same time, you're kind of going, eh, like, buddy, you screwed up. You can't just go and kill people just because you fall in love with a, a hot woman, you know? So it's good. McMurray, the way he delivers his lines in this film, my God, I mean, like, I'm surprised. I, I want to start talking like Fred McMurray and Double Indemnity from now on. It's literally like, yo, baby. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, you give me the money, then I'll give you a cigarette and we can, you know, go and. Uh, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Rest in peace, Fred McMurray, and rest in peace, Barbara Stanwyck. Rest in big peace. BTS Secrets and Scandals! This is very, very funny. So the wig in the movie, I did a bunch of, the trivia for this movie is very entertaining. Uh, the wig that Barbara Samwick wears in this movie, okay, I didn't think it was that bad. You can tell that it's a wig, but it's not like like Tom Hanks in the Da Vinci Code. I, I had to like close my, I loved, it's not against Tom Hanks, it was the wig. I had to like close my eyes anytime 
that I saw that freaking wig in that movie. But the wig in this movie, Billy Wilder uh, ended up hating it so much. Um, it was his idea, too. And then a month into shooting, he kind of realized how bad it looked, but it was too late. They couldn't reshoot all the scenes with her wearing the wig. So later on, he basically lied and said that the bad-looking wig was intentional, but that wasn't true. He just he regretted it. And um, I, in all fairness, I did not think – it's just my opinion. I don't think it's that bad, but – this was like a big deal when it came out. I also read that on viewing the film's dailies, production head Buddy G. De Silva remarked of Barbara Stanwyck's blonde wig. We hired Barbara Stanwyck, and here we get George Washington. <laughs> That's an actual quote. It does not look like George Washington. I mean, a little bit. George Washington's hair was like... Actually, you know, Buddy kind of has a point. It kind of does look like that but it does not ruin the movie at all the house that barbara stanwick's uh character lives at is still there today you can go visit it there is kind of a lot of foreshadowing in the beginning of the movie because when walter first meets phyllis there's a lot of attention i didn't notice this but a lot of attention is paid to the fact that she's wearing an ankle bracelet an anklet as apparently people call it i don't know i don't get ankle bracelets i don't really get bracelets in general but whatever Urban legend states that a married woman wears an anklet uh, to indicate that she's married but unavailable to other men. Her Foreshadowing. Now, um, two things. Wilder had a little bit, well, it seems like he had a little bit of an attitude. And also, he and Raymond Chandler did not get along at all. So this movie, Double Indemnity, it was nominated for seven Academy Awards, but it lost out to Going My Way, this uh, Bing Crosby movie. I have not seen it. Uh, Billy Wilder was apparently so annoyed at director Leo McCary's, uh, uh, you know, winning the movie that uh, when Leo McCary won Best Director, Wilder stuck his foot out into the aisle at the Oscars and tripped Leo McCary. Dude, Billy, what the F? That's a dick move, in my opinion. I mean, you lost. Whatever. It's... Oh, Jesus. I just realized, too, speaking of award shows, the Golden Globes are on right now, and I'm missing them. Oh, shit. It's... Th I'm missing three minutes. Well, I'm almost done. Now, the real scandal is between uh, Raymond Chandler and Billy Wilder. Well, first of all, Wilder also did not like the author of the book, James M. Cain, because he drank too much. And what's kind of ironic is that, you know, a year later, I said, uh, the Lo Wilder went on and made the, Lo made the Lost Weekend, which is a movie all about a raging alcoholic. Coincidence? I think it's just a coincidence. I don't think that Wilder intentionally made that movie to, as like an F.U. to Kane, but, you know, who knows. Now, why did Chandler and Wilder not get along? Well, Here's the thing. One day during production, Chandler, uh, this is, this is, these are all quotes. He failed to show up at work and was tracked down at his home. Everybody was like, where is he? He went into this rage and fit and started mouthing off all these reasons why he could no longer work with Billy Wilder. He said, Mr. Wilder frequently interrupts our work to take phone calls from women. Mr. Wilder ordered me to open up the window. He did not say please. He sticks his baton in my eyes. I can't work with a man who wears a hat in the office. I feel he is about to leave momentarily. I, I don't really get why that's like an insult, but... Uh, unless Wilder apologized, Chandler actually threatened to resign. Like, he hated Wilder. Wilder did surprise himself uh, by apologizing. He did say, it was he was quoted as saying later, it was the first and probably only time on record in which a producer and director, he didn't say this, I'm sorry, 
only time on record in which a producer and director ate humble pie in which the screenwriter humiliated the big shots. That's kind of a big deal. I mean, for back in the day, you know, the director always had more power over the screenwriter. And this was a time when one, an example where a screenwriter basically said, I'm not putting up with your shit anymore. I'm going to make a scene. F you, you know, you deserve to be called out. So, and this, you know, has been like on record that, Wilder was like, he loved women and he used to brag about women all the time. And Chandler was, quote, sexually repressed. So Wilder would do this, you know, talk about women and talk to women all the time in front of Chandler to piss him off. So Wilder, he was a little bit of a testy SOB, according to the history books. Yeah, a little douchey. And tripping Leo McCary at the Oscars. Come on, man. The best moment. Oh, God, there are so many, but I think the best moment in general needs to be, not in general, I, I don't know why I said that, I say that too much. The best moment, I think, the most memorable moment is when Phyllis shoots Walter, because it's dark, it's at night, they're in this bedroom, the way it's shot, the mise-en-scene, the cinematography, the lighting, oh my God, so good. They're in this room, and they're talking, and he goes to the window, and um, Phyllis is sitting on this couch, and she just like slowly it's, she's almost like like an animal like a wild cat or something like go going to her prey like she just slowly starts to get up and go out of frame and uh what's his name walter is at the window and then you just hear bang and walter you know ugh, just touches his out i just hit my elbow oh fuck that hurt um you know, he grimaces and grabs his stomach and then he says something to her, but he doesn't like hit the ground, you know? It's a really shocking moment. And then also, you know, I'm kind of tied. And then the moment too, when Phyllis, try, you know, is a lying sack of shit and is basically basically like, no, I, I didn't mean it. I love you. And then he just shoots her too. So good. Those have got to be the best moments, hands down. Mais est-ce que je suis d'accord avec les critiques de ce film? Yeah, I'm in agreement with every single goddamn critic who loves this movie because they're right. Um, the best review I read, so Roger Ebert, RIP, he put this on his favorites list. He had like a bunch of, you know, I think he had a bunch of books where it was like the same list of favorite movies. But his he has a quote that sums it up perfectly. He said, uh, and Roger Ebert, for those who don't know, he used to write for the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, he says, few other directors have made so many films that were so taut, savvy, cynical, and in many different ways and tones, funny. That just sums it up. That sums all of Double Indemnity up. It is savvy. It is a cynical movie. I, I was missing that word earlier, but a lot of Billy Wilder movies were cynical. They feature characters that weren't very good people. They'd be going to hell. But they were just so intoxicating and like, you just, you you, got, you lose yourself in these characters, not just in Dumbo Indemnity, but in so many other Wilder movies. The other reviews of this movie call it one of the best film noirs ever. Mark Lee of the Daily Telegraph said, film noir is the most intoxicating of Hollywood cocktails and none is more potent than Double Indemnity. Uh, there is a review by uh, Wendy I-D-E from the U uh, Times in the UK. She called it uh, ar arguably one of the greatest works of film noir. I 100% agree. 
Kate Cameron of the New York Daily News loves Barbara Stanwyck in this movie. She says, Barbara Stanwyck has given many interesting portrayals of femininity on the screen, but she has never presented as subtle and indelible characterization as the one of Phyllis Dietrichson in Double Indemnity. At Phyllis Dietrichson, she was even, uh, her character was voted as one of the best villains of all time by the American Film Institute in 2007, I believe. And I could not agree with you more. Barbara Stanwyck, this movie, like, you think Barbara Stanwyck, you think Double Indemnity. It is the first movie that, you know, comes to mind when you think of Barbara Stanwyck. She did a lot of other movies. She did a lot of comedies. uh, But this is her movie. This, you know, Double Indemnity would not be what it is without this incredible woman. Yeah. I'm floored. I am Lord. Oh, I also found this great review by Pauline Kael of The New Yorker. Pauline, Pauline Kael was is what was one of the most famous critics of all time because when she hated a movie, she hated it. And she was a nasty. The way Raven and That's a Raven says it. Nasty, you know? Like, she loved this movie, though. She said... This shrewd, smoothly tawdry thriller, tawdry is a good word, directed by Billy Wilder, is one of the high points of 1940s films. Do yourself a favor and read Pauline Kael movie reviews. They are so damn entertaining. Is it really one of the best movies of all time? Nah. No, I'm kidding. Yes, it is. This movie, I mean, look, you see, there are a lot of film noirs. Film noir is a very popular genre, and I know, you know, throughout the history of cinema, it's been around since then. There are a lot of great noir movies. I think Double Indemnity is up there. I think it may be, if if not the greatest film noir of all time. That's a big statement for me to make, but, you know, the script is flawless. The dialogue is flawless. This is a flawlessly made, flawlessly executed flawlessly flawless movie i cannot recommend it enough watch it wherever you can find it uh pay for it if you can't find it call your senators and demand that they uh, add it to your uh uh uh, what's the word tv i don't know you know what i mean uh this is great i love you all thank you so much for tuning in i will catch you next time and i cannot wait to watch more billy wilder movies because i have missed this man's movies and i hope there are more on this list there have got to be and i just want to end this note by saying get off your ass and go to the goddamn movies okay stop streaming everything from your home are you like did you get into an accident well get a crutch and hop to the movie theater you can do it okay if you need help i will come over and help you all right just go to the movies we almost lost the movie theaters during covid they almost died can you imagine how many of our lives have been destroyed by the thought of movie theaters dying forever (sighs) okay now i need some alcohol oh i can't do alcohol i'm doing dry january crap all right bye-bye Oh, you made it. You made it. You made it. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of I'm Reviewing Here. New episodes drop Tuesdays and Fridays. You can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to follow me on Instagram at I'm Reviewing Here. You can also subscribe on YouTube. New episodes drop there the same day they drop on the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Please leave a review if you'd like. Be mean. Be nice. Hit on me. I don't really care. Candor really, really is important to me. And, you know, it helps the podcast too. So uh, I really hope you enjoyed it. This podcast is brought to you especially by Nervous Chuckles. That is my fake production company because I make people nervously chuckle all the time because they never know if I'm telling a joke or not. So they're always like, (laughs) oh, do I laugh? Do I not laugh? Is he serious? Is he insane? Did he get out of the the loony? What's going on? So if I made you nervously chuckle, then that means that I did my job. And thank you.
There is uh, no funding for this podcast, but if you want to give me money, then uh, yeah, like hit me up. DM me. Bye-bye.